0: Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet.
1: Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo.
0: And I'm Father Jason Cargo. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. So Emily, I got to tell you what happened last night.
1: Uh-oh, what happened? <laughs> this sounds like a story.
0: I get a phone call at 10.30 at p.m. And it's the fire alarm company saying there's a fire engine on their way to St. Joseph Church oh, no. because uh, our fire alarm has gone off, right? And so I'm out there to meet, uh, and actually our maintenance person is out there to, to meet, and I start talking to them. Obviously, there's no flames. <laughs> that I was going to ask if you went no, in to investigate. <laughs> no smoke or anything. But within a couple minutes, the 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 fire truck came and five burly men all dressed in it, everything. They come out and, and, and I'm like, I don't think there's any problem here. We actually, to tell you the truth, we had the same thing happen at midnight the day before. Oh, no. So, so, and I slept through that one actually. So <laughs> anyhow, the, so this one, this one, you know, we walk through the building, we find that there's a, a problematic uh, fire Detector and so, you know, they be briefly teach me how to t- like turn off the system, and and then we call up the the alarm company, and the alarm company, um, we we get them to to disregard that particular fire uh, detector. Well, thirty minutes later, the fire alarm goes off. And it's just be, I'm like, I'm watching a movie and I'm just enjoying the movie. having, you know, just doing my own little thing. And then I hear all this fire alarm nonsense and I'm like, oh, so then I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how am I going to like turn this, this alarm off. And of course this time the fire department's not coming. Thanks be to God. And, and so I, I let, This Now it's at midnight, right? So this is second time in a row at midnight. So now I'm sitting there like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, he's the fireman said I'm supposed to push this button and hold on to this button, and the thing's supposed to go off. I've done that like five times. Nothing has happened. (laughs) I'm like, well, maybe I just ignore it and just let it go off the whole night. I was like, no, I can't just (laughs) let it be going off the whole night, flashing lights and alarms going and stuff. So I decided, okay, I'm going to try this one thing. It says... Uh, there's a button that says S- silence the alarm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he said for me not to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I pushed that one and I pushed the held onto the but- reset button. And lo and behold, the fire alarm went off and there was no more blinking lights and no more. <laughs> oh my goodness. So just uh, one of the fun things you learn as the pastor is you learn how to turn off fire alarms.
1: Wow. And yeah.
0: <laughs> how to meet Burley, uh fire. Uh, firemen too.
1: But nothing happened with you pushing the button that you weren't supposed to push?
0: No, there was no explosions or nothing happened. At least I don't think so. I mean, today's the the next day. So we'll find out if I pushed the wrong button. But
1: (laughs) wow, that reminds me of back when I was in college, I used to be an RA and whenever our fire alarm went off, even if somebody pulled it, um, the standard protocol was you had to go door to door and get everybody out. So you can check every room before everybody can go back in. And I remember there, was a month or two when every single night, when people were coming back in late at night after partying, somebody would pull the fire alarm. And so there we were at two in the morning, oh, no. clearing every person out. Oh, it was awful. But, you know, I risked my life <laughs> checking on them. You know, it was crazy, crazy things you do when you're in leadership positions.
0: Oh, yes, definitely. You, you earned your money on that one.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad the church didn't burn down.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm very, very glad too. Yes, and, indeed. So, Anyhow, you know this is uh, this episode. We find ourselves at kind of the beginning of the summer, right? And so, a lot of times, people are thinking about summer plans and and things uh, with regards to summers. And and uh, you know, I I have just great memories of my own family doing. Uh, a lot of fun things during the summer, a lot of camp outs, a lot of little travels. We, we didn't have a whole lot of money uh, growing up. So we, we did a lot of like simple things going around uh, the Texas towns and everything. And, and that was a, 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 real fun adventure. And I think, uh, one of the things with these summer vacations that is very important, Emily, is I think, uh, it allows for moments where families can just really be intentionally with each other, you know? So, uh, in a little bit, I'll be going on a little vacation with some priest friends. And, and so it's a moment where we can intentionally develop that, uh, that time together as, as priests. So to me, I think that's a, a big um, part of, uh, of summer is just being that much more intentional. Maybe things slow down a little bit more and, uh, we're not as crazy and busy vacation time is meant to be a time where we are just spending time with each other a little bit more. And this is especially true with, uh, some of our family members that might be going off to college uh, making that big transition. I have a niece. She just announced that she's going to the university of Iowa. She's going from Dallas, Texas to the university of Iowa. I'm like, really? (laughs) I've come to find out that the university of Iowa is big in liberal arts. And so she's a, she's great when it comes to that kind of, uh, like writing, creative writing and things like that. But, uh, but this is going to be a real special summer of vacation for my, my twin brother, right? Uh, because they're going to be able to uh, have one last one before their daughter goes off to college.
1: Well, I can't imagine how he must be feeling. You know, if with when, when you have kids go off to college, you know, that's just one step closer to them leaving for good. You know, many kids will go off to college and they'll come back for the summers. But by the time, you know, they graduate, they normally have a job you know, in the pocket, and they're ready to move off. Um, So for families, that's, that's a big time of transition, you know, and that's definitely a call to be present to the moment and enjoy that time um, with your your family while you can.
0: Yes, you know, and, and a lot of a lot of families will keep the the room of the person that went off to college, it's still their room, right. And uh, if you have multiple You know, if children are sharing rooms, well, no, that's not the case. (laughs) You know, like my my older brother, my twin brother and I, we shared a room. And so as soon as my older brother went off to college, it was no longer his room. It's my twin brother's room, you know. But and sometimes uh, if someone has a single room, that becomes like the person's room just in case they come back. Right. So I like to kind of needle moms about that a little bit and kind of say, well, this is a great guest room now. No, no, no. It's my, my oldest son's or my o- oldest daughter's room.
1: Yeah. you know,
0: <laughs> No, it's a guest room.
1: I grew up one of five kids. And so I think we were the same as you. They, we did not have a designated room. Once you left, it, that room was up for grabs. It was grass. free game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoever can get there first, um, you know, wanted that. So it's interesting perspective, you know, whether you're a parent or a sibling of, of someone leaving, things definitely change. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to just be present to the moment, even when you're going on vacation, you know, life is so busy. You know, I, I know we're we're planning on taking vacation this summer, but I'm actually scheduling a day each, you know, one day a week where I am working because I know I have to be connected. I have to check emails. Things, you know, don't just stop even though you're gone. And so, um, but that'll be nice to have just one designated day so that the rest of the time I can truly be present with my my family. Um, but that's a struggle. I think that's a struggle for a lot of people is to just be present and to slow down, especially in today's world where we have, you know, both parents working, working. Um, uh, adults have extracurricular activities and things that we like to do. And if you have children and families, they're in extracurriculars. Like sometimes our life is just so busy going, going, going. Um, it actually reminds me of the scripture passage, a story about Martha, Martha and Mary. And this is one that I love that. Yes. Yeah. I, I, this is one that I, I need to refer to often as a reminder to slow down. Um, so for those of you probably very familiar with it, um, Jesus came to visit Martha and Mary and Martha was busy preparing, um, she w- it doesn't say exactly but I imagine she was in charge of hospitality. All of these people were in her home so she was trying to get the food ready, get the drinks ready, do all this stuff and, and that's you know, a
0: great thing right hospitality right? is an amazing thing for people
1: right yeah, it's something that's so special you know you you want to honor your guest and you definitely don't want them to leave hungry especially if they've been traveling for so long. But here's Martha doing all of this work, um, and she sees her sister Mary sitting at the feet of the, of the Lord, and she gets frustrated. <laughs> and she even says to him, Hey, Jesus, <laughs> tell Mary she needs to come and help me do this. And, and surprisingly, Jesus reprimands her and says, No, you know, Mary's chosen the right thing. Don't take that away from her. Um, so imagine her shock. <laughs> and I, I think when I read that, I actually struggle with it. I think, what? Why aren't you more sympathetic? You know, like <laughs> poor Martha is doing all of this work, you know, so. Um, but because I struggle with it, I actually had a, a pretty strong pair experience with this recently where I was just reflecting on it and kind of thinking, why did Jesus say that? You know, why did he respond to her? Because sometimes there's work that has to be done and mm-hmm. it's not going to get done if you just leave it be. And so I started doing some meditation with this scripture passage, and um, as I meditated, it kind of came to me, okay, so if Martha didn't do all that work that has to get done, what if she just went and sat with Mary and listened to the Lord? What would happen? And so as I kind of prayed and meditated, you know, it drew on where, okay, at the conclusion of um, Jesus and his teaching and talking to the disciples, everybody was hungry, so everybody pitched in. Everyone went to the kitchen and helped to prepare the the food and Get the water, and and everyone was able to not only enjoy the time in the presence of the Lord, but then together we're able to do what was done. And it really struck me, and I felt God was speaking to me directly, especially at this time when I was so busy with work and school and with my kids. And um, and I entrusted that to the Lord. You know that if we take the time to be with Him and to be with those that we love, um, that things will get done. And I think that that's something that we can kind of relate to not only in our spiritual life, but just in our daily lives. You know, if if mom's the only one cooking dinner, well just take time to go sit down and be with the kids and be present and when everyone's hungry enough, everyone can pitch They're in. They're going to pitch
0: in and yeah, help out, right? Yes. Right. You know, I think that's a a beautiful thing that you just reflected on and I think you know, if you think about uh uh the hospitality that Martha and Mary uh, were providing and and Jesus said, well, well, Mary has, is focusing on the most important. When you invite someone over, uh, yes, the food is nice, and yes, the, the drinks are nice, and yes, the ambiance is nice, and it's important to, but really they're coming over not because they're g- going to get the most exquisite meal, <laughs> the best food. Uh, they're not going to come over because it's the, the greatest ambiance or, you know, the best environment where they see the, the the most beautiful plants, et cetera. But they're coming over because they want to spend time with you. Right. And I think that's what part of what Jesus was saying here. There's a lot of extrapolations off of this. You know, we can go classically. There's this thought of, okay, uh, Mary is showing forth the contemplative uh, vocation. And, and so Jesus is saying that, okay, yes, to be a a monk or a nun is a a holy thing, you know, and it's a good thing. You don't always have to be about action or maybe the importance of prayer, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot of different things that can be said here, but I think ultimately one of the things is, yeah, the the person in front of you, right. Is, is more important than all these external, uh, things that, yeah, make the event happen, but it's the person that's really coming over and they want to see you. and, and, it's not as much, it's not as important to have the right food. I mean, you could have pizza and and water and sitting on some milk crates, you know, <laughs> and, and that's perfectly fine. So, so that, I think the other thing with this too, Emily, to me, this is, uh, it's important to know that Martha was doing some good holy stuff. She just lost focus, right? Martha's a saint, we call her St. Martha. Right. Uh, So it's not like she's uh, was doing some kind of evil. It was just that she lost momentary focus. And and Jesus said to her, uh, you know, uh, Mary is doing the better part right now. You know, so that's, it's a beautiful, I I wasn't expecting to kind of meditate and think about this a little bit, but I think it's a a beautiful uh, image.
1: Well, you know, Father Jason, um, you know, I, I know, like for myself, I find that life is so busy just juggling all of the different responsibilities that I have. But as pastor of our parish, you are so busy with your vocation. It's like nonstop. Even as you said, you know, in the middle of the night, fire alarms can be going off. I mean, you're on duty. So how do you slow down? How do you take the time, not only for God, your personal prayer life with him, but even to be with your family and your loved ones?
0: You know, that's a, that's a, uh, it's. A great question, and honestly, I'll just say it's a challenge. You know, so I have to be intentional about my calendar and say, you know what, this is needed for me to do this, right? So, an example: the other day, yesterday, I was doing a, a house blessing, a very interesting house blessing. Uh, I don't want to get into details with that one, but um, but it was over towards where my parents lived, and I decided, you know what, I I have about an hour and a half, and I know my parents are relaxing out on their uh, patio right now because they relax out on their patio at the same time every single day. And so I, I stopped in and to be able to have that time with them and I surprised them. They weren't expecting me. It was so beautiful, you know? So I think you have to be intentional. You have to also put it in, in the calendar for me when it comes to uh, being with people that I really uh, want to cultivate that relationship with uh, my family and key friends, uh, priest friends it is. I do calendar. I, I do put it in my calendar. I do schedule it when it comes to my own prayer life. Likewise, I, I have that in my calendar. So in the morning, uh, that is my primary time of prayer where I'm reflecting and praying and, and spending time uh, conversing with Jesus. And so I kind of like Mary sitting at the foot of, of Jesus. I, I, that's when I f- sit at the foot of Jesus in that, that morning hour. And, you know, typically I get up fairly early. Uh, so uh so that means I have to go to bed early and what I learned is is that uh is that I need to block out my digital communication fairly early in the evening right so uh, I have a timer on my digital stuff that at a certain point at at in the evening at night it all goes off, and i can't go onto my digital things, my computer, my phone, et cetera. Wow. So what that does, it's like 10 o'clock or something, but what that does is it keeps me from doing email at 1030,
1: 11 o'clock. Wow, I'm guilty <laughs> it, of doing that just last <laughs> night. <laughs>
0: so, but what that allows me is it allows me to wake up like I did today at, at like 545, you know.
1: Wow, that that's a great idea. You know, I, I did try that actually recently where I created this bedtime setting, um, not that I'm necessarily going to sleep, but just to kind of shut down my phone and the messages coming in because I have, you know, all the apps on my cell phone. So if I get emails and everything, it's pinging and, and I had that tendency, tendency to respond. Although what I realized recently was because I had it on the do not disturb, um, in the evening, the code red text alerts weren't coming through. Oh, <laughs> so no. I, once I realized that <laughs> it was silenced, um, I I ended up taking it off because I want to make sure I get those important calls. But it it is definitely a challenge to be able to have that boundary, you know, to say, you know, what is my time for? You know, my you know, this is my designated work time. And then now this is time for my family um, or this is my this is my time for praying and and having that relationship with the Lord. So, yeah, I do think that's important. You know, um, I think. One of the things that I learned, uh, and and I hope that everyone can kind of learn this, is just the importance of the moment. And this kind of was um, written like home to me with one of my spiritual directors who was Jesuit. Mm -hmm. And she just talked to me a lot about how we need to focus on the present. Like, it's so common for people to be just caught up in the past. You know, whatever happened, it just keeps coming back to haunt them. All that baggage, just bringing it up. Um, Or even preoccupied or worried about the future. You know, what job am I going to get? Am I going to get married? Am I going to have kids? What's going to happen? Are my kids going to get injured? I mean, you could just worry all day long about every single thing. But if you're focused on the past, if you're focused on the future, you're not in the moment. And you'll never be in the moment. It'll just keep going by and it'll be in the past and then you won't be truly living. And so she really helped me just to have some prayer, um, to be able to reflect on that and to focus on the present moment and to be mindful of God. Um, And she always just talked to me about finding God in all things, that it wasn't just about being um, me all by myself, but just God is in every moment. And so that was really helpful for me. And I think regardless of whatever stage of life you're in, we need to remind ourselves that. Um, And I have a couple of questions, I guess, that can maybe help people just reflect on, you know, where am I in my life? Am I giving God his right? Am I giving my family the right place or not? Um, and it kind of comes back to what you were saying about calendaring. So let me just raise some of these questions. Um, so I think for anyone, you can reflect on the question, what is most important for our family right now? And like truly, pray f- prayerfully think about that. Like what is important? And you know, if we say that our faith is important, well, let's look at our calendar. Is do we have time scheduled to pray to God as a family? Individually, are we going to Mass? You know, if we say that family is important, well, do we actually have family time? Are we going to the park together? Are we having family dinner?
0: Yes. When was the last family dinner? Right. Yeah. Or, or not, be, not in front of the TV, but where you just get to be together. Yeah.
1: Right. Or is it being trumped by? Oops, I'm bringing this child to soccer practice. Okay, I need you to bring this one to karate, or we're running to piano lessons. Again, those are all good things, but is the time that you're giving to those creating an importance and a priority over other things that you really value for your family? So what is the most important thing for your family right now? Write it down, you know, list it out. What do we want? And then take a look at your calendar. And if it's not, Emily,
0: I think a lot of people, uh, they, they see Snapchat as the most important thing for their family (laughs) (laughs) or social media. I mean, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but sometimes you'll see families sitting and having dinner, but they're all, they're not talking to each other. They're focused on their, on their devices, on the devices. Yes.
1: Yeah. We have a rule. You're not allowed to have social media or toys because we've got little ones too. No toys at the table. It's family time.
0: That is awesome. That is very good.
1: Yeah, and so one of the things I also wanted to say was just when you're looking at your calendar, not only is it taking a look at, okay, what do we currently have? Does anything need to be removed? But what do we need to add? And so, you know, you mentioned having that time in the morning for prayer. I think that's really important. You know, I have that quiet time in the morning before my kids wake up, too. That That's my time, and that's when I normally will read the, the daily scriptures. But I had to put it in there, and even I had to give myself— um, I guess, learn the I don't open my social media. I don't read the news until I read my daily scriptures, because if it doesn't happen, then it most likely won't happen later on just because everything gets so busy. Um, so putting it in your schedule, if it's not there, make it make it be there um, and then look at how can you maybe take things away? And, you know, I think this is the one of the things I'm struggling with right now um, coming out of the pandemic that we had the blessing really of life slowing down for us. We had so many things on our calendar. I have five kids and four of my kids were in soccer at that time. And so multiple games, multiple practices, I'm taking master's course. The kids are in school. I mean, it was just out of control. And so it felt like a blessing, you know, when we went to our, like the lockdown, everything just slowed down and we really had time for family. But now that things are starting up again, we have to discern, you know, what what are the priorities for our family? What are we going to get them back involved in? And what are we going to maybe just slow down and
0: um, and hold that's that going to be so hard, Emily. I, I'm just thinking, as a as a mom, you would want to give your child every single opportunity, right? And so you're going to want to say, OK, yeah, let's let's if it's sports, let's see if they're good at soccer and they like soccer. They're good athletes at soccer, but we they want to play basketball, too. And oh, yeah, they want to do swimming. And and so you want to give them those opportunities to learn those different uh, skills and sports and stuff. And uh, but then oh yeah there's the band you know or or the orchestra maybe they can learn that particular instrument and or no that now they're acting or they're in debate or or maybe um, it's Boy Scouts or, or or whatever it might be right so it it it's endless the number of activities right and so yeah you you have to discern and say okay what's most important for my my family or what's most most important for for my child and just stick to that and. I would imagine um, you have to say no to a lot of opportunities, right? Just trusting that, okay, um, you know, it's it's not like I have to have my child try every single thing to see if there's some kind of genius in that particular activity. But I'm trying to shape my child in what's most important in life, and family is one of the most important things.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely hard to be able to manage our schedules and. My children have definitely learned the phrase life is not fair, (laughs) you know, because we can't unfortunately with that many children, you just can't let them do everything that they want. You have to figure out what's feasible with our time, um, what's convenient for us as a family. And so, yeah, for a time we did have four of our children in soccer with the soccer academy because it made sense for our family. You know, the soccer practice was at the same time, the same location, and then it was just struggling with the games, you know, Mm -hmm. juggling that schedule, um, And I think I would say out of my four, there was only one who didn't necessarily love it, Um, but he needed it. He needed it to be able to learn how to play on a team and to get the physical activity. But it's it is really hard because we we can't necessarily do all of that, but we have to pick what's most important. And I think also helping them make those decisions now is going to help form our children and their values for their future. Um, you know, one of the things that I think families, especially if adolescents, will kind of figure out or face soon enough is the conflict between church and these extracurricular activities. Um, you know, church generally Sundays or Wednesdays. And for a long time, especially in the Bible Belt, different school activities and sports didn't schedule anything on Wednesdays. That was church night. But that's not the case anymore. You know, so we are definitely, um, I guess, competing for our kids' time. And as a parent, you know, you get to be able to make that decision. Okay, if they have a sports practice, do I send them to that? Or do I send them to church to their faith formation? And the way that we respond in those situations is going to impact our children and the what they think about church and its importance and its priority um, little by little, those decisions add up and that's going to make a big impact on them whenever they're off on their own and they're making their own priority and scheduling their time.
0: And they'll, they'll think what's, I think that question, once again, what is most important, right? That, that comes into the, to play. You know, I, I want to go back to this whole theme of uh, being present uh, to the, those in our lives and being present to the, uh, the moment. And, to me, I think this is a, a powerful spiritual truth. And, and it's what secularism, our, our commercial culture, and the, the that's out there in, in the U- United States is trying to keep us from remembering because there is peace and there's fulfillment when we are present in the moment. When we're not present in the moment, we're going to keep searching and we're going to grasp and we're going to be looking for this and that. And, and the secular world will present all sorts of different things that are supposed to fulfill us and grant us meaning. Right. But really, all we really need to do is uh, recognize that God is there in that moment and that he's given me this person that I can spend time with and I can focus on on love and whatever the activity is in that moment, you know, I think of uh, the the great uh, experience that Moses had on um, when he encountered God in the burning bush, right? And he asked God, "Okay, what is your name?" And what did God say? I am. I am right. I am who I am. Basically, I am the present. <laughs> I I wow. always am. Right. So he didn't say. I was, or he didn't say, I will be, he said, I am, you know, we're not going to encounter God and therefore we're not going to have peace if we live in the past. Right. So a lot of people, like you mentioned earlier, Emily, about uh, the hurts and pains that we might have in the past. We we go back over and over those different experiences that we had uh, that kind of hurt us. Maybe there was uh, something that we didn't do. And we, we use those, those hard phrases I could have, I would have, I should have those three phrases that kind of trap us in the past that what, if you think about what those words are, they're conditional statements that create kind of fantasies in the past tense, but they can never come to fruition. So they're just cycles, they're closed loops that are occurring in the past and keeping us trapped, right? So I always uh, invite people not to use, if they find themselves using those words to purposely refrain from using those three words. I would have, could have, should have. But likewise, if we're living in the future, God is not in the future. (laughs) He's in the present, right? So a lot of impatience happens when people are sitting there living in the future. And the classic example is a person in the car who is driving this never is me by the way so <laughs> <laughs> driving and they're like that other person's going so slow why are they going so slow i, I need to be at my party or my mass or my meeting or whatever I, i'm i'm supposed to be there in 5 minutes and it's 10 minutes to get there and and they're already uh, meeting and talking and they're starting to get ready to start the meeting and I'm not there yet. And, and I know they're going to be talking about this important topic or I know people are waiting for me to arrive, or I know that they're having a fun time and good time. And, and, you know, you start thinking about all this stuff and you get impatient and you get angry and you get upset. And the reason is because we're missing out on, on um, what we think we should be experiencing. The reason is because we're living in the future. We're not living in the present. And so I always like to say, okay, let's, if we find ourselves starting to go down that path, feeling a little bit impatient, it means that we're thinking about the future, living in the future. And we need to say, no, what has God called me to, to do right now? He, I'm in this car. I'm with my, my friend. I'm with my, my family, uh, And I'm just going to drive and enjoy this moment that we're driving, or I'm going to enjoy listening to the the radio, or I'm going to enjoy listening to this podcast or whatever it might be.
1: (laughs) You know, that talking about impatience in car reminds me, um, I had a coworker that I used to work with at a, a previous parish. And she told me that, um, you know, she struggled with patience. And so, something that she would do intentionally was when she was driving, she would find the slow person and get behind them. No way! And drive behind them. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, you
0: know, I'm going to have to try that. i w- because you said <laughs> that, Emily. I'm going to try that um, in the next couple. Uh, days. I'm right. going to get behind the slowest person and just drive behind and them. And not
1: curse them <laughs> and not pray <laughs> that they go faster, but be in the moment. Can you imagine that? You know, one of the things that I was thinking about, yeah, because I do think it is hard to be in the moment when you think of the past or you think about the future. It's just part of our human nature. But I think a tool that can really help us is gratitude. You know, when you actually start thinking about, okay, what am I grateful for? What are the blessings that so many times we just take for granted? Um, You know, I have a good, good friend, a close friend of mine from college who had a daughter who died at a young age. And I remember talking to her once and she mentioned that she was out at a restaurant and had overheard a family next to them who had a little one who was causing a scene, you know, throwing a tantrum. And the parents were just getting very upset with their child and kind of screaming back at her. And, I mean, I've been there. I, I You know, I know it happens. But my friend, um, from her perspective, was just brought to tears. And she, she was talking to me about it afterwards. And she said... Oh, if, if only my daughter, when she was alive could, could talk like her daughter wasn't able to not even cry. Like, even though she was in all this pain, she couldn't talk. She couldn't cry. She's like, I would have done anything to be able to hear her even cry. And there's this child that was upset. And that's the only way that they communicate to their parents. But instead of seeing that or being appreciative of it, um, you know, they responded in a different way, you know, so it's just this perspective that she had changed the way that she saw that situation. And that really struck me. I mean, I think I definitely was guilty of that. Um, But thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that my children can speak, that they can cry and tell me that they're upset, um, that they have that ability, that my child is alive and with me. You know, so just taking this different attitude of gratitude for all that we have and that we so often take for granted, um, being able to be present with our families, I think that can just really shift our whole outlook um, to really be there and be in the moment.
0: That is, that is beautiful. I, you know, one of my uh, great friends, they have a meal together and they have burdens and blessings. And so they have a little, this little rock that they put at the foot of a, a cross. And, and by putting it at that little rock at the foot of the cross, they, they say one, one blessing that that had happened during that day where they recognize in gratitude, some, some gift uh, that God had provided. Right. So, and, And then they they recognize one kind of cross that they they have or one difficulty that they've had to endure, and they they present it. And it's a very intimate moment where the family is able to kind of enter kind of the internal structures of each other's life, right? Uh, And so to me, I think uh, doing that uh, is is a really great uh, family activity. And I agree with you 100%. Gratitude is one of the ways that we can immediately be able to recognize God's presence in our every day, every moment of our daily lives. And so, yeah, absolutely. It uh, And it can be done in a fun way. If you have a young child, you can be like, you know, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. for. And then someone shouts out for my breath, <laughs> you know, so. um Anyway, that's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, so one of the things I I think is important is for us to just really look at, uh, especially uh, the people in our life and, and give thanks to God for those people. And uh, that's, uh, you know, whether we have a, a, a son or daughter that's graduating, or whether we have a, a baby that's <clears throat> you know, graduating to from being in our arms to, to walking. Uh, to be able to enter that moment and see it as precious, uh, you know, each stage of people's lives. Right now, my parents are, are right around 80 years old. And so it's a, a, a wonderful time where I can just soak in their wisdom and, and knowledge and be with them. And to me, to be intentional with the people in our life based on where they are, and just to enjoy that, to be gra- gracious to God and to each other, uh, we will find peace and joy
1: you know I, I I really like that. I think, as you think about the stages of life, um, things time passes so quickly. you know, I know at times like it feels like it's it's going slowly, but I feel especially as of late that it's just flying by too quickly. You know, my, my youngest is two years old and for many people, you know, with a lot, with the last time they saw her was before this whole pandemic. You know, she was just a tiny little thing and now she's running around has a, you know, stubborn personality and a head full of curls. Like where did time go? Um, and, and, it's crazy. I can't even think about, you know, parents who this summer, maybe this is the last summer that they have with their own kids, if they have teenagers who are going to be heading off to college in the future. And I wonder, you know, what can families do to really enjoy the moment um, and maybe just help that last shot of instilling, instilling these values in their kids before they go off to college?
0: Well, what are some tools that we can give them? So I, I to me, I think uh, one would be, uh, you know, schedule that family d- Uh, time together, that dinner, that picnic, that vacation, don't put other things before it, but uh, have that as something that is very important and becomes a cornerstone for the family.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things I was thinking of, which I don't know if this would be everybody's cup of tea, but trying to get your child involved in church, maybe even the church liturgy now while they're living with you, um, so that maybe when they go off to college, that'll be a natural instinct. So for those teens who have been confirmed, you know, maybe taking them by the church and see if they need a Eucharistic minister, get them trained, get them on the schedule so that they could start serving at mass so that whenever they go off to college, you know, that's, you know, uh, they can go and they could not only fill a need there, but they can start to meet a whole new community of people um, while they're away from home.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea, you know, because that's, telling the child that this is one of the most important things or what we'd say as Catholic, it is the most important. Our relationship with Jesus and eternal life is the most important thing in our lives and equipping them with the ability to actively participate, be people of action and not passive so that they can then uh, do so on their own in college. Mm -hmm. And it's a great intimate uh, moment to be together in family and faith.
1: And you know, my child is not old enough yet to go to college, but I'm pretty sure that when he is, one of the things that I would probably do as a parent is reach out to the campus minister, whether it's um, at the parish or if they have um, a Newman Center, and maybe just drop my child's email to them and say, hey, you know, my son's going to be going to school next year. Can you reach out to him and invite him to any <laughs> retreats that you may have? So then for them, him to get an invitation from the Catholic campus ministry rather than just mom telling him to go, um, you know, I think that would be a little bit more powerful and maybe an incentive for him to go and see what they have to offer.
0: That's a great idea. Fantastic.
1: All right, so we covered a lot of different topics during this session. Um, And some of the things I just wanna recap for you, the tools that you want to equip your families with, first of all is schedule time for what's important. You know, and as we mentioned, write it in your calendar. If it's not there already, your individual prayer time or even family prayer time, please put it in your calendar. And if there's stuff on your calendar that you need to take away, don't be afraid to do so. Number two, tool for your family Give it up to God. Don't fret about the past. Um, don't worry about the future. Be mindful to the moment. So just offer it up to the Lord.
0: And I think number three would be uh, be people of gratitude and uh, have that time uh, where you can express your gratitude to one another and, and then in prayer as well. And especially for the, the things we take for granted all the time.
1: Wonderful. I agree completely. Are there any other tools or do you think that pretty much sums up what we talked about?
0: I think that's pretty much sums it up
1: wonderful well thank you so much father jason for all of your insight and thank you to all of our audience for listening to this episode of saint joseph's workshop remember we are all a work in progress so be sure to join us for our next episode to continue adding to your toolbox so that you can build the church at home
0: and now i'd like to give you my blessing the lord be with you
1: and with your spirit
0: and may mighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit Amen. amen go in the peace of christ